you know, want to get fine. it out before the end of the year. I agree. That's why I was kind of asking. Yep, yep. Things have just been hectic, man. I get you. Not trying to push you. Just trying to figure stuff out. That's all. Yeah. I don't ever want you to think I'm shoving you because you do you do all the heavy lifting. Because you're strong like bull. Mm-hmm. So I think it's good enough time to start the show, huh? Sure, why not? Let's start it right here. We've bullshitted for the last half hour. <laughs> but it was important information transferring back and forth. That's correct. I had to give Todd the uh, the rules of uh, cuss fighting. That's right. And the first rule of cuss fighting is you don't talk about cuss fighting. That's right. If you follow me on Twitter, maybe you found out about cuss fighting, but that part's all cut out. So no one will ever hear it. Right. Remember the time where we thought we were going to maybe like, like, because After Dark became like the part where we would bullshit (laughs) before we recorded the regular show. This is Long Bucks here on After Dark 266, by the way. Right, right. Joe and Todd. I don't introduce us for this. Right, because we, I feel like, we, you know, the, that we're being uh, spied on through a window when we do this. So you don't introduce yourself to the, to the peepers. You know what I mean? Well, I think of it a little bit differently than that, I guess. <laughs> so the comic book show is like the all-ages show that's more formatted, that's more regimented. Mm-hmm. And I feel as though that uh, would maybe be easier to like enter like you could listen to this week's long box heroes after dark whether it's your first one or your 482nd one mm-hmm. and you're right in you get the introduction you're welcomed it's our names whereas after dark since it's the you know the fucking around show you know hey you know you know it's already we don't need to introduce ourselves again we don't need to give you the limp-wristed uh the the the, the two-finger liberace handshake you know that's right, because who knows? Sometimes we'll we'll start discussing something between ourselves and be like, and you'll just go like, I'm keeping all that in. And by the way, this is the beginning. You know, we're long box after dark, whatever. So you'll have 20 minutes before the introduction hits. Right. So that's only once when we in a talked movie. about like doing like a special tier of like the stuff that gets cut out of this. Mm-hmm. And then we that, the problem there is then that's the snake that eats its own tail because then we know <laughs> that's getting listened to. Then there's going to be a separate part that's not recorded. Then there'll be a higher tier for that. And then it would just boom, 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 boom. And then we're admitting to crimes for $20 a month on Patreon, <laughs> you know? That's right. We're literally becomes After Dark, a Longbox Heroes After Dark Inception at that yes. point. Yes, yes. Oh. <sighs> But we do have an agenda here, actually. This is uh, the the last installment of Al's Gals. Mm-hmm. And we are covering what I completely forgot, the two-hour series finale of MASH. Oh, boy. Right. And then the, uh, see, the series premiere of After MASH. Right. And the best part about all this was, and I remember this because I don't often be you know like that guy but i'm like when we did all this i was like you have to remember mash is two hours and after mash is an hour and we're doing it near christmas ah we'll just put it at the end we're all good todd and i'm like okay and i was like i'm like he knows it's two hours i told him i'm I'm not doubting the fact that you told me it was two hours Mm -hmm. but you have to understand that i obviously forgot Mm mm-hmm because it was all the way back there. Right. 
but I watch it. It's just like, you know, things go on for Christmas. I have super secret science work and other things to do to prepare for the holidays. But, uh, so I don't know. Do you want to take point on this? Do you want me to take point on this? How do you want to handle this? Um, I'll, I'll start, I guess. Basically it's, you know, the final episode of mash two hours, as you said, uh, basically it's the end of the war and everybody really pretty much knows it at this point because everybody's grabbing, you know, they're, they're battling really hard to, uh, to uh, grab the land before the, the ceasefire is, is written. And we find out that, you know, Hawkeye isn't at the 4077th. He's in an, an asylum for people who have been broken by the war. And then throughout the rest of the, the, the episode, he gets back. We find out what broke him. And then we find out pretty much what everybody's, their plans are leading up to go home to the end of the war, uh, after the end of the war. And, um, I, I just thought it was a great episode in that everybody really got a story, but uh, it, some people got shifted. Some people got bigger ones, but I do like all of it. We find out like some of the smaller stories are we find Margaret Houlihan's going to, she, she her father's running all her choices. She's going to do this, go to this hospital in Tokyo, go here, get a promotion. And finally, she makes up her mind. Um, Klinger wants to help soon Lee find her, her family. Uh, Father Mulcahy ends up getting injured in an explosion and he ends up go, slowly going deaf. BJ is just going to go home to his wife. But in that, it's Hawkeye and him discussing like Trapper left early in, in, in the run. And there's that whole thing like I'm going to lose a friend and I didn't get to say goodbye to the last one. So can he say goodbye to this one? Um, Potter just going home to his wife after years of living in the service. Um, it was just everybody... Got a little bit. I'm trying to think if I missed anybody. Oh, and Winchester was going to go home to, he wants to go to Boston a hospital and become the, the head of surgery or whatever. And he's having problems with that. And he has a whole side story. Um, but the f- most famous one is what happened to Hawkeye and why he went, he went insane was because of the, the baby on the bus, which is a famous, famous moment. So that's right. pretty much the, the story of, of the last episode of MASH. Okay, so... I'm with you. I liked it. Uh, the two, To say that the two hours breezed by, mm-hmm. it didn't feel like filler because you're getting all this closure for all of these characters. Right. Or you're getting something, and it's something substantial. It's not something like when we talked about Friends a couple months ago, where it was like, here's your A story, Ross and Rachel. Here's your B story with uh, Ch- uh, Chandler and Monica. Here's your C story where Joey like gets a duck. And mm-hmm. then here's your D story where nothing Phoebe, happens with Phoebe. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, Phoebe drives a cab to the airport, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, Oh, I got to figure out something to do with these lesser characters. Mm-hmm. Obviously the there, you know, you, there's your A tier and your B tier and your C tier characters on mash. And, you know, the A-tier story, the B-tier story, and then, like, you have, like, six C-tier stories. And they all felt just as substantial and just as important. And if any one of these characters were your favorite character, then I I think this closed them out in the best way they possibly could. I I agree with you. And I think, if anything, earlier on, Hawkeye being away from the rest of the people at the 4077th, um, like it, it, it kind of, 
not dragged. Like I will never say that episode dragged, but it's different. It's like you want to see Hawkeye with the with the group, but you find out what happened to him, and then he gets back. To me, the episode really takes off once he gets back and everybody's together. And I'm like, okay, this this episode's good because, like, on TV with commercials, I think it was two and a half hours. Without commercials, it's straight two hours. Yeah. Watching it, when you hit that last 40 minutes, my heart is in my throat for the last 40 minutes because I'm a huge MASH fan. And seeing, like, all these people finally going home and the characters, I mean, and everything. Like, all the stories I'm with you. I was like completely like all right everybody gets gets a hint like gets something even the minor characters like igor and kelly the nurse and and sergeant rizzo like they even get their moments in the show and i'm like because they've been around since the beginning like doing these bits parts so i i'm like when we talk about one of the greatest like series finales ever to me this still holds holds the the cake like there's no better than this. And like I said, I was like, I was like sobbing towards the end. Then when it's all over, I'm like, all right, I'm going to, I think I'll wait on aftermatch for a while. I'm just going to let this soak in. But, uh, uh, my thing though, my favorite story to this and even everything with, with Hawkeye and the baby and, and, you know, uh, that's, that wasn't a chicken, blah, blah, blah. My story is, is Winchester's Winchester's hurt me the most. And to this day, like, even when we were going back to watch this stuck with me, the whole thing of regardless of him trying to get back to Boston, whatever is he finds the Chinese band and he ends up teaching them uh like well they're pow's he ends up teaching them classical music and they go off and he's like oh well you know i'm gonna miss them and they end up getting killed and being brought back one of them survives and is brought back dies in front of him and it ends up ruining classical music for him forever like which is pretty much like the defining characteristic of that character besides snooty like he was always listening to classical music through every episode you saw him in and i'm like can i imagine like having something like Doctor Who comic books, like for you wrestling to go off and have have that destroyed in my life because of, you know, something like this. Like that stuck with me t- till I watched this. And I watched it and he was like, they were just a band. They weren't even soldiers. And this is going to be, I'm, the one thing I'm taking home is the, classical music was a, a release for me from all the terribleness around here. And now it all will ever be as a reminder. I'm like, God damn, that is deep for 1983 or six or whatever it was for like a, a what was a, a sitcom for a while. I was blown away, but that's my favorite part of uh, Aftermath or Mash. I mean, the, the finale. Right. So that's okay. So that's interesting because I never had that connection with Winchester. Mm-hmm. Even the the episodes that we've watched for this, of course, the the series finale and the other one that led into Radar. I always felt as though he was, if I had to choose one character who was the weakest, it was him. Mm -hmm. But I do resonate with, you know, the things and the perils of war that ruined a thing that he loved. Of course, that's a big deal. But he had that plus he had the thing with uh, Houlihan with getting into the, uh, the hospital in Boston. Right. So I think it was because he was a little bit weaker of a character he got like two stories that kind of intertwined with somebody else's story, mm-hmm. which was, again, this was the early 80s. You know, as this show was going on, this show was an, was an anomaly when it came to sitcoms or TV shows in general at this time. Because most shows were, you know, and this is not anything bad, 
you know, were Gilligan's Island or Three's Company or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever lighter fare you want to choose where maybe one out of 22 to 26 episodes a season would have some sort of resonance that would be felt through the rest of the show, where this was a show where every episode had something that resonated through the entirety of the show. Mm -hmm. Now, I do just want to go back, of course, there is, with all these little character threads that are going on, there is one much larger thing other than, it's you know, the war's almost over. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's the part in the beginning where, as you mentioned, Hawkeye's in the asylum and they're, you know, they're lying to him that, you know, they got the call and they heard that the war is almost over. Mm-hmm. You know, and there was wishful thinking but because the war was almost over. Excuse me. And it ended during the course of things. But there was uh, the guy who was injured, who drove the tank into the 4077. Mm hmm. And they're like, what are you doing? You're a crazy person. And they get him out and they see that he's all injured and he's all fucked up. And then the tank is just there. Right. So the Koreans think they have a tank. We have to attack them. Mm-hmm. So now they're just constantly under mortar fire. And uh, the, the, the true star of the show, the character I relate with most, Klinger, decides, hey, what if we just put a tent around it to mm-hmm. hide it since we can't get rid of it? Right. And then that doesn't work, but it's like a, a quick fix for something, and it doesn't work. And then when Hawkeye comes back, that's when he just like drives it off the cliff. Right. So that was a major plot point, of course, because now even though the war is almost over, the war is directly in their backyard because there's the tank there. Right. Um, oh, and the other thing, of course, as you mentioned, once Hawkeye comes back and there's the big and I don't want to say that we're tiptoeing around it. But it's one of the more famous things that ever happened, I would say, in, you know, the last TV. 30 or 40 years of TV history, mm-hmm. where Hawkeye goes nuts because there's the incident where on the bus and everyone has to be quiet and they picked up some people along the way. And Hawkeye's telling the story, like the story keeps changing, right? Because it's more or less like Hawkeye's blocked out the story. Right. And it's revealed that there's a woman on the bus and she has a chicken. The chicken won't be quiet. So the woman kills the chicken, but then it's not a chicken. It's a baby. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty gruesome to even to allege something like that. Yep. And it's been a long time since I've seen this. So I was shocked when they like do the flashback sequence. And here's this woman holding a baby in her arms who just like kind of like limps and goes dead. Mm -hmm. Like that was striking to me. And I've seen a lot of crazy shit in my day. Right, and just to get that feel, like, if you go back and watch a lot of M.A.S.H., even after that, and he gets back to M.A.S.H., and they do the operation, it's the goriest I've ever seen of the operations, where, you know, wherever they did the camera, it was an upshot where you'd see, you know, the, the blanket of... The the, the 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 over the patient whatever and you wouldn't see this was like a lot of shots of their hands and guts and blood and everything i'm like i think they wanted to go out well like they're like we don't care we're mash you know like and i'm with you like between that and like the graphic operation scenes i'm like man like what year was this like oh my god good yeah. for you and i forgot alan alda directed it uh-huh you know well, that so, was one of those uh, peach plum gigs that you get when you've been on the show for that long. Like, you get to write a bunch, you get to direct a bunch. Mm-hmm. So you have that under your uh, belt when the show's over. Now you can go out and do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like 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 you said, and then everything goes on. And 
it's I think the one beautiful thing that that makes this timeless this the the smash finale is when it comes time to have everybody go home, it's done perfectly in everybody gets to interact with everybody and the 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 group keeps getting smaller and smaller. And it keeps getting more heartfelt, if you know what I mean. Like until it's down to Hawkeye and 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 BJ, and they still don't want to say goodbye. They're like, "Oh, we're not gonna, we're going to be at these you know conventions." And he's like, "No, I'm going to be in Maine, and you're going to be in San Francisco, and we're never going to see each other again because that's the way it's going to work." And he he goes, "You can't even say goodbye." And there's that famous scene where you know the helicopter takes off, and he's written. Goodbye in the rocks. Yeah, I get choked up just thinking about that. That's an amazing, like that last 15 minutes is an amazing scene to me. The the one part, so right before that, when uh BJ goes down the hill on his little dirt bike, <laughs> right? Actual uh, the, the the actual actor went down, sure, because you know, hey, no, that was a stunt man, I would say, really, but, yeah. So uh, I I was taken aback because they were driving it down there so unsafely. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um. Little note. Do you know the scene where they have to bug out because of the fire? Yeah. Do you know why they they had that scene in there? No. Because there was a brush fire at the set, oh, and my. that whole the whole set burned, and literally they came back like within hours of that fire being put out. They recorded the scene of them coming back and all the wood being burnt and the building and everything. They, they had to rush out of there, and then come back and film more because there was an actual fire on the set. And they're like, "Oh, just write it into the script, and we'll figure it out." Wow, that's crazy. Right? Yep. Ugh. Good stuff that episode. So yeah, it was very good. Um, you know, like I said, like we said at the top, uh, definitely does not feel like two hours. You know, it's the length of a movie, but mm-hmm. it's exciting, it's engaging, it's everything. Right. So now, since everyone's gotten the chapters of their lives closed, now it's time for the spin-off. Mm-hmm. So almost immediately after MASH goes off the air, after MASH comes off, a very creative title for the show. (laughs) Come up with something like after MASH, but better. (laughs) Uh, It's good. (laughs) So we have the furthering adventures of the crazy mix-matched characters of... And again, I... He plays so many parts. He was... uh, Joe Friday's partner. Oh, you're uh, Colonel Potter. He Harry Morgan. Harry Mor- Colonel Potter, Father Mulcahy, and, and the, the true star of MASH in every way, <laughs> shape, or form, Jamie Farr as Klinger. Mm-hmm. I get thrown every time they call him Max. Doesn't make any sense. Oh, in the episode when they call him Mr. Klinger, I'm like, who the, who the fuck are you talking about? Mr. Klinger is my dad. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Now, and that was the one thing um, with the episode of MASH. So there was a lot of time in between the previous episode of MASH that we watched and this episode of MASH that we watched. But Klinger no longer wears dresses. Right. But he still, you know, is the dress guy. So when he proposes to Sun Lee and he has the dress for it, like, even she knows. It's like, oh, this is your dress. And he's like, no, 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 this is for you. A bride typically wears white, and it was very nicely done. And I also like the bit of comedy 
which now this we talked about this last time that we talked about MASH. The episode of MASH that we watched, no laugh track. The episode of After MASH that we watched did have a laugh track. And, you know, I know some of the episodes did have a laugh track and some didn't. Or they and had they it for a while them. and they got rid of it, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But there was the bit where, because uh, uh, Sun Lee doesn't want to leave Korea until they find her parents. Right. Her mother, her brother, and her and her and her brother, and there's a great bit where they're giving the description. Help look for them. Oh yes, short with dark hair. Oh, okay, well, what's what your mom look like? Short and dark hair, and I think that worked way better because there was no laugh track. Right, I agree with you. Because if there was the laugh track, you'd have the pauses, you'd have the this. But because it just flowed like a normal conversation, and like nobody in the scene like took a pause and be like, "Clinger" mm-hmm. or like whatever, I think but, that joke worked very well. So when I saw that Clinger was going to be on the show uh, after Mash, and we get the resolution that uh, Sunyi doesn't want to leave Korea, so and that and again we're going to keep going back to after or to Mash itself. Mash was Mash is a really good TV show. I wish I had more time in my life because. That's something that I would just watch from beginning to end because it's awesome. It's really good. And I just want to say because because these are the three that show up. This is Potter says he's going to go home and take care of his honeydew list. You know what I mean? Um, because these are the important ones. So and uh, Max ends up saying that he's going to stay. Like he's I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm going to stay in Korea and help Soon Lee find her family, which is a great scene where everybody laughs. Like you're not, we're all going home. You don't have to pretend you're crazy anymore. And then Mulcahy, who who's losing his hearing, decides that maybe I'll work with the deaf, but also I'm going to stay in Korea because I'm the only help that all these Korean orphans that I've gotten to know here were. And this that's you know dovetails perfectly somehow, but not at all into Aftermath when the first episode shows up. Some do, some don't. But where I was going with this was, of course, you know, your main characters, whatever, but then you get, like, Klinger, whose whole gimmick was, as you just mentioned, like, he wants to get out of there. Mm. And his storyline is that he's stuck. Like, he can leave. The thing that he's wanted the entire run of the show, you can Mm. leave, but he chooses the love of a woman Mm -hmm. over his actual real dream. And it was like, oh, that's growth for the character. I really like that. Right. Um... So when Klinger is going to be in Aftermath, I'm like, oh, I wonder how they're going to resolve her trying to find her family. Mm-hmm. And like, they just kind of give it like the brush off. They're like, yeah, they found him and everybody's okay. We're back. And we found them where they're, they're living in a, they're living in a, in a cargo container, all 16 of them. And we send them money every once in a while. And I'm sad that we didn't get the scene of Colonel Potter taking a hot plate out to a field and just eating corn right <laughs> off the stock. Sure, because he was just going to dip it in and yum, yum, yum. Because that makes sense, and I wanted to see that happen. <laughs> yep. There was a lot of good stuff in, in that series finale, Jeff. Uh-huh. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, Potter comes home, and he's living, and he gets his chores done, like, almost immediately, right? hmm And he came home a day early, and he's writing a letter to Klinger for some reason, Okay. Right, which to me is important because that was a a trope that they used every season on MASH. It was Hawkeye writing a letter to his father, uh, Potter writing a letter to his wife, Radar writing a letter to his uncle and aunt and everything. Like, So to me, being a big MASH fan, that worked really well because familiar is good, if you know what I mean. 
So I don't know if you remember them doing that quite a bit on MASH. So a familiar thing. Yes, no? Yes. Okay. So we we get that bit and Klinger's in jail. Mm-hmm. Or he's in a holding cell or whatever it is. Right. And I'm like, ooh, are they just going to scrap the whole like wife and Korea thing? And they didn't. Mm-hmm. And I was worried that when we get the introduction of Father Mulcahy, are we going to drop the whole thing of him like being deaf from being near the mortar explosion? Right. And I'm glad that they didn't. I'm glad that they held true to all the things they had established. Instead of just like, oh, we're going to take these characters and put them in a new wacky scenario and never mention like all these character defining things. Like I thought of it as the runs of Daredevil when all these other like writers would be like, all right, we had our fun with Daredevil. We're going to put him in these insurmountable things for the next writer to come in. Mm-hmm. This would be like that. And the next writer just comes in. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to ignore all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But the only one that kind of bugged me was Mokehi n- abandoning the orphans in Korea. It's ah, screw it. I'm going home. Like well, that was, that was the whole thing was, you know, but then they kind of, he, he was more about like, to me, Father Mulcahy doesn't seem like the person who's like, I'm upset I didn't get my parish. You know what I mean? I don't right. know. There's something there that like, of the three characters that they had, because uh, they ended up, Mulcahy ended up coming home and not getting a parish. And because of all that and, and losing his hearing, he ends up getting a drinking problem. And that's character development. That's fine. But I think it, it didn't work with the way they left him in MASH. And then even with that, of the three characters, he was the weakest of the the classic three. You know what I mean? I'm not even going to equate him with the new characters. We'll get there. But of the three, I'm like, he seemed like almost not himself as Father Mulcahy. I don't know. But uh, what what do you think? Yeah, and that's the the other thing. I didn't think too much of that because I I just assumed... Um, his illness or the drinking got too bad and they shipped him back. Okay. Fair enough. Um, and as, and again, of course, Klinger, the star of everything. Klinger is my favorite character. I'll watch anything that Jamie Farr is in. I'm sad he didn't become the biggest star in the world. Mm -hmm. And I did like that they established, uh, so they all end up working at the hospital where Potter is going to like run a private practice. Uh, but then he's lost his bedside manner. The scene of him talking to the woman who wouldn't dis- disrobe for her examination went on an uncomfortably long time. <laughs> and would and holds up well today, Joe. Ooh, Todd. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. You have the same things that you had when you were a child. They're just bigger. I'm like, oh, boy. Oh, I hope someone didn't get a raise and just kind of got shipped off to a different show after that one. <laughs> but yeah. So I he know. then, de- oh, so what is it? He then decides to go apply at the VA hospital. Yes, but Mildred tells him he should because she's oh, yeah. going to, she's the, the thoughtful wife who's helping him out, which, you know, so he goes off and applies to be, you know, the, like the, whatever, the head of the, the, the department. And he ends up, you know, taking the job through with the help of, you know, the wife agreeing to move there and they're going to live and everything. So yeah, that's, that's what happened. 
So he, uh, Potter, using uh, his sway there, ends up getting Klinger a job there, doing the same thing that he was doing over in Korea, and getting uh, Mulcahy a job there, doing the same thing that he was doing there. And everybody gets their own little things to do. Now, before we get to what's going on with Mulcahy, mm-hmm. or Mulcahy, with Potter, so Mulcahy has the thing where, it, like, there's the operations to restore his hearing. So, like, okay, at least they acknowledged it. But by the, by the end of episode one, he's fine. He could hear again. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it was the best surgeon we could find. And, you know, whatever it was, right? It was kind of like a quick fix. I'm like, all right, yeah, at least you acknowledge it for a bit. Uh, but he helps the one vet with the uh, prosthetic leg. Right. Be able to help him walk with the prosthetic leg by painting painting it the same color as his skin. So you thought that was stupid, or? Uh, <laughs> um, I was hoping for something a little bit more deeper than that. Joe, you don't get much deeper in Aftermash. I don't know. I kind of, I kind of thought that of all the the, the Mulcahy things. That was in- the most interesting. It was like, ah, I was like, I'm not walking on my own leg. And he's like, oh, well, we'll make it, you know, psychologically, we'll make it, you know, that's why you're, and I'm like, okay, like, it's not, it's not truly like, gr- like mash great, but it's after mash great, if you will. <sighs> but like, I, like I said, McKay, he was the weakest of the classic characters to me. So, but I do want to say of the, of the, of uh, Klinger and Potter, like a lot of stuff that they did, I was on board with and like either found like a, like jokes funny or uh, was like, Oh, like this is, this is good. I like these characters, but it's when you delve into the hospital and the side characters, I'm like, they just become cliche cookie cutter uh, sitcom at the time characters, if you know what I mean, like the guy who runs the place, uh, he's just a goofball who's not funny, and then the the woman who's under him, who, who Max has problems with, uh, it, it just I'm like, oh my god, this is like the worst. And then the old guy who who knew Colonel Potter from back in World War One, who turned out if anybody who's listening to this was blue in old school. So he, I can't believe he was old in 1986 or whatever. <laughs> like when you see him in old school, he looks a thousand years old. But 30 years beforehand, he was a thousand years old. He's he's a Highlander for all I know. But I did like what they set up with Klinger with the the head nurse, I guess. I would say the the like the the manager of the hospital. She sure, wasn't the, sure. The head nurse, because I don't think she was actually a nurse. She seemed like an administrator to me. Right, right. So Klinger comes in and already is like put at odds with this woman because he's just like he spent his entire life bucking the system and not doing mm-hmm. what he was supposed to do. And it's a new scenario, so now it's a new things for Klinger to overcome. But I did like their exchange where she had critiqued his body hair. Oh my goodness. Yes. And then I did like the other scene with Klinger where he and uh, Sunyi are at the house. And uh, she's, and I, I forget how it, Oh, they're looking at the picture of Potter and his wife, about how nice they look when they were younger. And uh, Klinger says something kind of self-deprecating about himself. And then she starts praising him. She's like, Oh, every morning I wake up and I look at you. And I look into your eyes, and then I look at your nose, and he goes, and then it's nighttime. <laughs> right. And the other one I like is like, he's like, but, you know, and we'll have many kids, like 12 kids. We're going to have a big house, and this, and we're going to have 12 kids, and they're going to have your looks. And she goes, and Sun Lee goes, and your brains. 
and your nose. And he goes, we're going to need a bigger house. <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, all right. Like, like I said, like for as much as maligned as Aftermath gets, and I don't know how bad it gets in the next, you know, 20 episodes or whatever. But like I said, the Potter and the Klinger stuff, other than the, you know, hey, get naked as a patient with Potter. Uh, there was a lot of like fun stuff in there. But, you know, the the I, that, that weird doctor who was afraid to tell a woman she had VD. I was like, okay, like, is he going to be the, is he going to be the serious Hawkeye type or something? I don't know. Oh, and that's, oh, so that's the other thing. So then they're like, oh, you know, they, they, uh, they run the litany of tests on her and Potter knows like, okay, well you didn't do this test. So that doesn't rule everything out. There's a chance it could be VD. (laughs) And they're like, she's a nice girl, you know? And it's like, oh, do nice girls get VD the same way naughty ones do? Which to me was a great joke. Which is a great joke. I don't know if they're getting away with that today, Todd. <laughs> but so. that being said, it was, I would say that's kind of shocking for, you know, essentially on a light show, mm-hmm. you know, after MASH, it's not as deep and as heavy. Well, okay, it was. They tried. Um, well, and I we keep skipping over the, the other part with Major Potter. But, like, it's a show on TV in, like, 1983, 1984. They're, like, openly talking about, like, VD, you know, mm-hmm. in a show that takes place in the 50s on the air in the 80s. Like, right. that's a, that's big stuff, you know? That is a lot to unwrap. And, by the way, it's Colonel Potter. Show some respect. Oh He's earned God. that title, Joe, not Major Potter. Ugh. So, uh, we get the other thing of it. I forget how they have the interaction, but there's the one patient... Who ends up stealing a gun and going back to Colonel Potter's house? Basically, they were, he was in line at the cafeteria. And he ends up seeing the kid. And he's like, because it's a veterans hospital. And he goes, Korea, right? He goes, well, how'd you know? He goes, he goes, because you barely look 18. So I know you weren't in World War One. You know what I mean? So you're this. And he goes, well, you know, I was over there. Where'd you serve? I know everywhere over there. And he goes, Hill 421 or something like that. And Potter ends up like, no, because he was, you know, a, a, a surgeon. He goes, 421. And he does the thing in his head, the monologue. He's like, 421 was uh, a hill that they took, that they that they kept taking because it kept going back. And they never, and this is actually a line that I really like. He goes, he goes, they never named it. They just kept it Hill 421 or whatever the number was. He goes, he goes, they never named it because hell was already taken. And I was like, like you said, like for an 83, 84 show, I was like, that's a great line. But then he ends up noticing that that kid's like messed up and he ends up disappearing. And he tells the head guy like, hey, we got to go look for him. He goes, no, 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 no cops because cops are bad PR and newspapers. And then I got to answer questions. But Potter realizes you know, hey, through seeing his old buddies, like, you were always a good person, looked out for us. He ends up calling the cops, and the cops end up finding him at Potter's house with uh, his wife, and he ended up finding Potter's service revolver and holding uh, his host- his wife hostage, and he was going to commit suicide and everything. But that's, you know, that's how it all went down, and he comes in and tells him, hey, do it. Like, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it. And he ends up not wanting to do it, and he ends up, you know, they take him back to the hospital or wherever they they drag him out of there, and that's the last we probably see of that character. But yes, yeah, so they definitely were trying mm-hmm. to walk that line and walk that balance of how there was the comedy and the heavy moments, and I can only imagine when in the run of the show where 
they give up on the heavy moments. I bet it's early. I bet it's early because I think the director who was involved was like Burt Metcalf, who did a lot of the episodes of Matt. Like they were there. Like they got they had some of the guys come over and be like, all right, we're going to do Aftermath. And then they were like, all right, this isn't working. And to my opinion, the reason it doesn't work is because that gallows humor works great in war when like 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 when Klinger explains to the judge what wars he's like I'm eating food that's been pre-barfed like I got bugs I got like you're allowed to let that slide because you're these people are in hell but like when you're back in like this and everything is antiseptic white because you're in like the 50s hospital like that humor doesn't go over because of the situation you're in to me and very very early on they're like fuck it this is a sitcom like at this point this show is going to go from we're going to try to explain women in the 50s getting vd to like miss like classical comedy misunderstandings you know it's so like by episode four like oh my god like uh you know uh, soon lee and Klinger are having a baby when they found a cat and they're they're hiding a cat in in the office or something and they're like oh it's another mouth to feed and like that's the kind of shit that i believe after mash became if that makes any sense right but and again, it was in a rough spot because you're following one of the most heralded, most popular TV shows of all time. the 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 series finale is the most watched thing up to mm-hmm. that point in the history of TV, and you name the show essentially like Mash Two, right? Mash Two Point right. I think so, you were go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say. So even if you wanted to attempt to distance yourself or like you wanted you wanted to distance yourself but still use a lot of the same characters and themes from mash i perhaps they could have gotten more mileage out of it if they named it something else right and i think you were in trouble right out of the gate when you start with that slow somber mash trombone Mm -hmm. and then go right into an up like tick like you uptick the song yeah yeah and you're like you're like no like you, the name of that song is Suicide is Painless. Like, that. this can't be what you're trying to do. And they go into, like, all the happy pictures and everything. And I'm like, like, right out of the gate, I'm like, this is a fucked up opening. Like, this is a really weird opening. I have no idea what message you're trying to send me here. Like, it's, it's very, you know, just weird as far as I was concerned. Right. And again, I just, I think they were trying to be their own thing pay homage to the original show, but also still be the original show with pieces of the show. And the determination were, are these the strongest pieces of the show? And obviously it's not, you know, Trapper, he left long ago. It's not BJ, it's not Hawkeye. So what do we have left? Mm -hmm. And like I said, I think I may have mentioned it last week is when it was time to wrap up MASH, like, oh, they got all like, they were like, oh, do we want to do another season or not? Like, it was pretty much up to the cast of MASH. Cause you know, I think it was CBS or whatever, it would have been like, fuck it, keep going. Like, we're making money. And basically, like, like Alan Alda's like, I'm done. And, and, and Will Farrell and, and not Will Farrell, who was, uh, BJ, either way. Um, like, as it went on, it was like, who wants to stay? And like, they said they took a vote and everybody who wanted to stay, went on to do Aftermath. Everybody was like, we're outvoted, we're not doing it, but Mulcahy, Klinger, you know, and then they brought in Soon Leave and Potter, and they're like, we're going to do this, because like, there's money, 
to be made here because we could have made money doing more mash. And I was like, ah. And it makes me constantly think of my one of my favorite jokes from from Chris Rock when he was talking about the OJ trial. He's like, when the OJ verdict came down, man, oh boy, I haven't seen that many white people mad since they canceled Match. <laughs> so that's a good line. That is a great joke. Okay, so springing it on you here. Uh, what have we learned from this year of Al's Gals, Todd? That uh, po- really popular shows, for the most part, don't spin off quality uh, spinoffs. There's the rare gem in the rough, but for the most part, it don't work. What would you say you took away from all this? Okay. So... We have, as I'm just looking at the episodes here, as they're kind of all like jumbled together. Now, but that's the thing is, though, because I would argue, and obviously we didn't review them here, but shows like Cheers, where we did a lesser one for Cheers with the Tortellis, but Cheers had the spinoff of Friends as well, or Friends, Frasier as well. True, and Happy Days had Laverne and Shirley and, and Mork and Mindy, and you right. know, we just chose to watch some of the lesser ones. Right, but I guarantee you if we did the spinoffs, it would be more bad ones than good ones. Oh yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It's 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 a it's a crapshoot and the the house always wins when it comes to, you know, bad spin-offs. Right. That's my take on it. So where I was, where I was kind of going with this was, I guess, what was the best? What was the worst? Um, the worst. Uh, now, see, I go by a uh, a grading system because to me, the the two worst, like they aren't. It goes from Mash to either Walter or After Mash because to me, that's the pinnacle to the worst, like just because you have such high expectations, but I'm thinking maybe um, the worst of the actual shows might have been, I don't know, top of the heap. Oh no. Beverly Hills bunts probably might be the worst. Now see, I still say radar was the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, or yeah, or Walter rather, you know, radar. That's fine. Um, Grady was pretty bad. Ooh, I forgot. I'm going through the list. There's only a couple here. Right. So Grady was pretty bad. And the chatterbox was fine. Because that almost felt like a nanny episode. Yeah, it felt like nothing new. It didn't right. feel like its own thing. It just felt like here's another episode of the nanny that the nanny just happens to not be in. Right. The nanny's time of this episode is the... the this is not the nanny-centric episode, so... I thought Th- Sons of Thunder were pretty bad. They were, but Sons of see, but Sons of Thunder, like and Walker Texas Ranger, they're in that USA up all night kind of like mentality to me. So they're meant to be what they are. You mm-hmm. know, like nobody went into like Walker Texas Ranger and said like we're making high art here. And then like when Sons of Thunder came on, it was like 
yeah, we're just making we're just making more Walker Texas Ranger style shows, but they're just slightly less good. Yeah. So I, that's why I look at that one differently. Right. And then, you know, you, you, we mentioned Top of the Heap. We mentioned Beverly Hills Bunce. We mentioned uh, Greatest American Heroine. I think these are shows that range from, like, having potential and just, and, like, having potential in the, the, in the, the chances of Bunce and Top of the Heap. They were given many opportunities to get their feet underneath them, and they just did it. Mm-hmm. Whereas Greatest American Hero, Heroine, I think, could have had a shot. Right. I That's, I think, one of them that could have been a winner if they had gone on with it. If they put something behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think, maybe, maybe the Tortellis could have been great, Joe. Because what's-his-face, the main actor from... T- anything he's in is good, so it's okay. Uh, Dan Hedaya, yes. Yes. That's another one where we talked about where I remember our main problem with it was, is like, here's this character who's established on Cheers as a lech, as a horrible monster of a person, Mm -hmm. and now he's essentially the baby face of this family sitcom. Well, he's the lech with a heart of gold, Joe, that we just had a mind to see it. Right. And they didn't give us... They should have mined a little bit on Cheers. <laughs> I agree. So that when you drop him into Tortelli's and he's the flagship character of his own show, it's not like, okay, now you have a new show, now you have to mine to, f- mine to find the good person in here. They should have figured out, okay, our plan is we're going to do the Tortelli's. Let's do a whole bunch of extra Dan Hedaya episodes on Cheers where we build him up as a baby face over these next, like, eight episodes, right? Mm-hmm. So that when that eighth episode hits, and then the ninth week when Tortelli's comes on, these people have been following <laughs> his trajectory and want to see him in this show. I love that you're booking the Tortelli. Right. I, I'm rebooking this. <laughs> right. See, personally, I think if we're if we get to rebook, like dream rebook these shows, yeah, I think um, it becomes they change Blansky's beauty to the Arkansas show. And then you have yourself a hit, son. I stand behind Arkansas as a character. I, Fantastic. Well, now, and that's the thing. I stand by, behind Arkansas as a character. And Blansky's Beauties is another one where there was a lot of potential mm-hmm. in those shows. And obviously it was a different time. But I think the lead wasn't strong enough mm-hmm. to carry all of these. And listen. Your Arkansas and the dog and, you know, what's his face is uh, not uh... Pat Morita and Blackjack. The dog's name is Blackjack. Right. So you have all these strong, albeit one note characters that are all supposed to be interacting with our main character. But our main character, I don't think, had a strong enough personality on her own Mm -hmm. to lead you to these other characters in a perfect world. Uh, Blansky herself is such a strong character, a strong personality. People come into the show, uh, and then Arkansas essentially becomes the Urkel of the show. See, I see it more as if we're going to do Happy Days, that Blansky should have been the Mr. Cunningham of the show, 
like where the Arkansas, who's not necessarily the main character, the beauties are the characters. Like, and you have your, you know, basically it would be like Richie, Potsy, you know, uh, Ralph Mouth, whatever. Those are your characters. And to me, your, your Arkansas stands out, but they have their adventures and their wacky adventures and they go see Blansky for that advice. Do you know what I mean? Like that's that character's thing. And I think that show could have been completely different. Right. So like I said, there was definitely a lot of potential in the stuff that we saw, but I would say that the two biggest stinkers were Walter and Grady. All right. I mean, it's tough. Let's say it's, you know, everybody gets a trophy, Joe. Everybody gets a trophy. No. The the real winners and Al's gals were reminders that Cheers and MASH are really good TV shows. Hill Street Blues, too. And Hill Street Blues. When we discussed, I remember you saying that, you know, you were like, oh, my God, where's this streaming? If I had time, I would watch this from the beginning and the end, just like MASH. So, right. Right. so yeah, so Al's Gals has taught us nothing that the original source material is always the best. I agree. Yeah. So, I thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, maybe you heard this early, like, way early because of the Patreon. And uh, the sub- oh, was that? And the holiday. <laughs> and the holiday. No, After Dark's still going to roll out, like, normally on Friday. Well, if you got the Patreon, then you even, you, are you going to get it even earlier than normal? Yeah, yeah. Normal? Well, that's okay. what I'm saying, is if gotcha. you're a Patreon at the $5 level, you're getting this early. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's always going to stay with the $5 as we go toward 2020. Uh, whether you're a $1 patron or a $5 patron starting in 2020, you will get both shows. Uh, the previewing the past show mm-hmm. which is the more comic book centric show and are we are we definitive on the babbling brook show for the mel brooks or viewer as a name i like it okay so you will get both of those shows through the patreon for either a dollar patronage or five dollar patronage or all points in between uh, the five dollar folks are going to get everything two weeks earlier than the dollar or less or, or you know any from less than $5 to a dollar, you're still going to get the free shows. You're just going to get them two weeks later than the $5 and up people. Mm-hmm. $5 and up people are gonna, still going to get After Darks early. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to uh, the main show this week, then you got a lot more information about what the previewing of the past show is going to be. And possibly before the end of the year, we'll have a preview of that up on all feeds, whether it be the main feed, the After Dark feed, or the Patreon. Exactly. Very complicated, but it will all make sense at some point. Yes. So uh, thanks for listening to episode 266 of Longbox Heroes After Dark. Uh, Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Hope you had a good one. Having a good one. Doing a good one. I don't know what you're doing. Uh, But thanks for supporting us. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. And we'll see you all here next week. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network. The Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.